Welcome to another episode of the Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations podcast. Just a quick uh, message before we kick things off with this uh, special guest this week, uh, Halvard Koltweit, which was recorded up in Lufthulten only very recently. Uh, we're bringing this uh, episode kind of ahead of some others that we have backed up because there's still only a very limited amount of time left for you to make your voice heard about the fight for the bite. Um, there's a few links that we already shared with the Rasta podcast and in this one we're actually going to share another one which is to a website called NOPSEMA which is the National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environmental Management Authority. Uh, this This link to the website you can go there and you can write directly to the people who will be deciding about uh, awarding this permit to drill in the Great Australian Bight. So it's a pretty important document. Um, it's a long one, but there's some pretty specific uh, spots where you can leave your comment, um, and we encourage you to do so. Um, it's a big campaign. It's quite overwhelming to see so many surfers around the world coming together around it. And in this podcast episode with Halvard, we discuss a little bit about that from his perspective as a Norwegian, someone living up in Lofoten uh, who has you know, seen uh, a grassroots organisation stand up against a big oil company up there to stop some seismic testing and, and so far have, having been successful. Um, it's a long fight. This could just be the beginning. But uh, thank you to everyone for their support uh, down under and in the Nordics in this, this really important fight for the bite. Now let's get on with the podcast. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of the Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations podcast uh, with me, your host, Joshua B. Kirkman. Uh, I am sitting in the Arctic co-working lodge in Lufthulten. Uh, the, the scene outside, well, I won't tell you what the scene is. I'll let the guest of this podcast explain what we're doing and what's just been happening around us. Um, Halvard, welcome to the... I'm going to pronounce your name incorrectly, but how do it's I pronounce perfect. your surname? It, it's perfect, Halvard. Halvard, yeah. Kultv- what's the... Kultveit. Kultveit. Yeah. Halvard Kultveit. Now, many of you would know him from uh, seeing many beautiful photos that have been printed in Nordic Surfers magazine, but um, also, I mean, he's got an Instagram account that keeps it all flowing out mm-hmm. every day of the week. So thanks for joining me for the podcast. Uh, thanks for coming up. Yeah. It's a, it's a harsh time of year, so everybody who makes the trip are uh, more than welcome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, we were just saying, um, I've been here twice before this. Uh, this is my third time up to Lofoten, and, mm. you know, it was always like coming here in fall, like September, October. It's yeah. really green, it's really nice, it's, you know, longer days. Yeah. But like right now, we're literally indoors and was that a would you say that was a blizzard that came through or what would you no, call that i wouldn't call it a blizzard oh, it, was a, it was a it was a windy moment a windy moment a windy moment okay <laughs> with, a, with, with some snow on it okay but, uh, yeah we met was it little masters yeah yeah, yeah. Two, two years ago yeah yeah hell of a fall yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful uh, beautiful lots of waves too huh? lots of waves and uh this this is pretty far from it it really is, and um, now that I've got my definitions of weather's uh, weather phenomena sorted out, so that wasn't a blizzard. It was in fact just a windy <laughs> moment with snow. Um, so yeah, we're sitting up here and we're looking out onto the fjord. It's it's bloody beautiful up here, even when it's bitterly cold and windy as hell. How long have you been up here now? 
So I, I, my first taste of Lofoten was many, many years ago. Okay. Um, my family is actually from Buda. Okay. Yeah. So Just my, across the, exactly, the water there. Exactly. Uh-huh. So my father's side is from Buda. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've been in, to the north quite a lot, but I never traveled to Lofoten with surf before uh, 2016, okay. I think. And uh, I think it took me, because I was traveling as a, as a tourist and mm. uh, just, just checking it out. And uh, I, it, I think it took it me two days before I told my friend that I was moving here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you told me this last time yeah, when we first met. Yeah, and then uh, three months later, I packed my bags, uh, checked them in the back of my car and drove up. Sweet. So I've been here uh, three-ish years yeah, now, yeah. two and a half, three years. Cool. Uh, and love it. So you literally just you were were you living in Oslo then, or where were you living before living up here, or where did you drive from? Well, I, I drove from Oslo. My, my yeah. family. I, I'm born and raised in Oslo. Mm. Um, but at that time, I was working with La Pointe. Yeah. Um, so I was traveling the world. Mm. I was living mostly in Portugal in Erisada yes, for right. half a year. Uh, beautiful nice. place. Mm. Um, with a bit more stable weather than this. But, yeah, a little. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was looking for something new, and, and Lofen was definitely something new. Yeah. So uh, I packed my bags in Oslo, drove all the way up, and, yeah. uh, and settled down here. How long was the drive up, or did you take your time? I, I didn't take my time that, that time around, uh-huh. but I, I've taken my time other times. Right. So it's... I would say 24 hours of effective driving. Effective so, driving? Yeah, so... What does effective mean in driving? Just non-stop? Coffee, coffee and podcast. <laughs> coffee and podcast. Coffee and podcast yeah. driving. Okay. Um, but I would say a couple of days. Okay. To, to make it pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. 12-hour days, basically, or something like that. You can split it up in two days. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so... Coming up to Lofoten, you know, was it was it an adjustment? What time of year did you actually start your stay in Lofoten? Beginning of January. Oh, okay. So you came yeah. into the depth of the yeah. darkness. Yeah, total dark. Oh, well, not total dark. But okay. Yeah. Close though, right? Close. Yeah. So we have, I would say, four or five hours of kind of a dusk dawn. Um, yeah. A twilight. Uh, twilight, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it's possible to surf. It's possible to ski. Sure. Uh, you're just, if you have a normal job yeah. for those kind of people, it is, it is harsh yeah. to make it fit. Because you, you get up in the morning, it's pitch black, and then you go to work, exactly. and a bit of light pops up, and then it goes away, and then you leave and come home. Exactly. Yeah. That so, must be hard. And the funny thing is that December and January, you're, I, I usually say that you're north of tides. Okay. Because you'll have a certain spot that needs a certain tide to be mm. working properly. And sometimes a month, that spot won't be able to, you won't be able to surf on that tide because of the dark. <laughs> so you know that this spot only works from this and this date. Yeah. Not the swell or the wind, the dates actually, because of the time of day where the light and the tide okay. and everything comes together. That so, is interesting. Yeah. You you have this almost... Well, you surf whatever you get, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know that this certain spot only works on this certain day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the tides. That is interesting. That really changes the game a bit, doesn't it, with surf forecasting and trying to figure out when to go somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny also that once you arrive at the parking lot, like usually you... You arrive and you see someone leaving and yeah. you arrive with someone and there's kind of a, a substitution kind of yeah. position going on. But 
everybody arrives at the same time here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get yeah. in their suit, uh, go out, surf, and get back out. But how 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 many people are we talking um, in the dark period up here? Like, how many are we really talking are turning up on time? I mean, weekend on a good day, there might be a couple actually. There might Man, be. You mean two? It, no, I mean ten. Ten. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. So you can get a it can get crowded on on crowded ish. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, on a, on a sunny day, mid December, or sunny. There's no sun. But <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> clear skies. Clear skies. Clear sky. Um, yeah. In December, uh, yeah, ten fifteen at most. Okay. Uh, if you come here on a Tuesday in December, you're yeah. probably alone. Yeah. Because everybody's working. Yeah. Yeah. Is it local crew? Is it people, or or are there people who are like planning a strike mission? No, nah, nobody. Nah. Nobody's going. I back. didn't think so. No, nah, only locals. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just like, all right. I know that the light's going to be good and the tide's going to be right at this spot and I'll just pencil that one in and yeah. I'll turn up if the waves turn up. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And, I mean, sometimes you, you need to get the babysitter in and you need to... Because yeah. there's so few days that you're actually able to surf. Yeah. So once that swell with the wind, with the tide, yeah. with the light... Yeah. And your job and everything comes together, then you might call that babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, one of the things um, that strikes me about being up here, and maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit, is that distances are quite long, uh, far up here. You know, like it, there's a lot of driving, even though we're on this kind of um, these connected islands up here. The spots, at least a few that I know of, and I'm sure, I mean, one only needs to look at, a, at an aerial map of this place to realize that. There must be so many other spots that are either nobody talks about or they just haven't even been surfed yet because of mm. different factors. But it is a bit of a, there's a lot of driving that needs to be done up here if you're going to actually really search out spots. Yeah. I mean, most of our roads are situated close to the ocean. That's true. So you're never going to be uh, very far from the spots mm. if you're not talking like ocean big ocean yeah. slabs or whatever, yeah, yeah. Uh, where you need a boat. Um, but yeah, there is quite a lot of driving. And yeah. I mean, this time of year, um, the the seawater blows on the road and freezes and you have ice. Yeah, right. So you need spiked tires. Yeah. Without spiked tires, you're kind of hitting the ditch. Yeah, yeah, turn. yeah. That'd be so super dangerous up here. It is, it is. And uh, so the, the time you spend in a car just to get from spot to spot is... Like, you won't be able to drive from spot to spot in December. No, no. way. No way. You go on in... Because you're losing the time. Like, if, the light goes exactly. before you get there. Yeah. But um, we we get a lot of storms and we get a lot of swell. Yeah. Like, we just had a day the other week with 11, 12 meter ground swell. Um, That's crazy. And on those days, you might have a look on that little thing you've yeah. been eyeing for some time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then make up a little idea about the next time around yeah where something comes together what i've noticed looking at the weather charts here before i came up i you know because yeah the last time as i said the last two times i've been here was around when the lufthansa masters yeah. competition takes place at unstad and big shout out to the crew that puts that on it's a really fun event um the it's pretty just kind of like just rock up and hang out and if there's some waves you're happy and then whatever but this time i was kind of looking like okay what's going on up here and I noticed that the weather charts, you know, there was literally like storm after storm hitting yeah. here. Like it's constant. Is it like how often is there like a significant storm up here in your experience? 
well, you ask me, and then you'll ask a fisherman. Yeah, sure. And you'll have two completely different answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then even the the windy blizzard situation we just had, we yeah. the two of us uh, put it in different words. Mom, um, <laughs> we're a little more dramatic. <laughs> no, I mean, we get a lot as well. Yeah. And a lot of the storms are pretty close, mm. although they, they start down there and then they push up. Yeah. Then they, they, they also pass us. Yeah. So they throw us some wind at us as yeah. well. Um, but it's, it is at least three, four times a week where we go above the 10 meters a second That's uh, area. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, I, I say like 10 to 15 meters a second, yeah. even though it's offshore. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's not a pleasant a pleasant experience. No, and one thing that I've noticed just in the last few days being up here is that um, even on a day that looks pretty calm, the the fluctuations in one day are quite dramatic as well. Like yesterday, for example, you know, like it was it was sunny and clear in the morning, um, with a chance. I think the chart said oh, maybe there'll be some snow. Um, paddling out then this is just at Unstad, which is, you know, the kind of go-to up here. You would yeah, say that Unstad yeah. is the go-to. Absolutely. Not a secret spot, definitely um, on the charts. Um, it, it just turned onshore, sideshore, offshore, sunny, windy, snowy, <laughs> within a one-hour session. Yeah. I swear it was within a one-hour session. I believe it. And it's kind of like, I was like, wow, this place is just alive. It is, it is. And... Um, What's funny as well is that we have these micro weather systems. Mm. So you're on one island now. Yeah. We're sitting here. Now we can actually see the mountain on the other yeah, side here. Yeah, we can now. Uh, mm. So the, the windy moment passed. The, the windy moment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, down the road on the next island, yeah. it might be sunny. Yeah. Blue skies. It's crazy. And no wind. Mm. Because we have these micro patterns and we have these ocean currents moving they're so powerful then yeah. there's so much tension going on here yeah so it changes really quickly and weather forecasting is mostly done by guessing slash asking the fishermen yeah because i mean those guys are the ones that get it right all the time but there's also a lot of when you talk about these micro climates no i guess these micro weather patterns that are taking place up here yeah a lot of it does a lot of it have to do with the kind of nature of the fjords and the valleys kind of funneling wind Anyway, is that yeah. one of the factors up here? You'd say? I, w I would believe so. I I'm not. I'm not a scientist in that kind of way. But when you live here, you you kind of pay attention to it. Yeah. As with, for example, say Unsta. Unsta is always twice as windy as anywhere else. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you you watch the map or, or the forecast says five meters a second. Yeah. You can bet that it's ten. Yeah. Right. And gusts of fifteen. Yeah. So. Um, it it more comes down to just being here for a long time and then recognizing yeah. the patterns and and getting some knowledge on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with this time you've been up here, then let's let's talk mm. a bit more about yeah. your experience up here, or or actually let's take a step before before that and just kind of maybe talk about. You mentioned that you used to kind of travel a lot more with um, La Pointe, and you yep. were were you doing photography for them on those at those surf camps? Yeah. I was doing photography, uh, videography, but yeah. mostly I'm, I was doing marketing work. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, but you know how it is nowadays. You yeah. need to write, you need to shoot video, photo, yeah. uh, web page kind of yeah, marketing. Yeah, it's full on. Yeah, it's full on. So, yeah, traveling with those guys. Okay, and so that was taking you, like, was that your first 
um, step into photography through them or were you already doing photography before you started with LaPointe? Um, so I'm a, I, I studied journalism in Oslo. Okay. Now, that is seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So it feels like a decade. Mm-hmm. It is a decade. Yeah, you call it a decade. Uh, I'll call Give it or take. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to Hawaii. Oh, hey, right. To complete my bachelor's because I needed to go abroad. And it was either <laughs> So South, you needed to go to Hawaii. It was either Southampton, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dublin, or Hawaii. Really? Yeah. Wow, that must have been a tough choice. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I managed. No, but so was this at Honolulu? This was in Honolulu. Wow. In uh, in Alamoana. Oh, sick. Yeah, right in the. In so the when were you there? Which period of time did we? Did you stay in Hawaii then? Like. So that was 2012 till 2014, I believe. Wow. Yeah, two years. Crazy. Um, actually, as a student. As a student, and <laughs> the oldest surf photo I have, like the first one, yeah. uh, I can, f- or the oldest I can find on my computer. Is pipeline sick? That was my first wave I ever shot. Wow! Well, I started on the top, and yeah, now, yeah, yeah, now yeah. Now you're, <laughs> now you're dodging um, windy moments <laughs> with with ice and snow. Yeah, no. Well, I sold my camera in Norway, okay. uh, and that was at the time where the dollar krona was sure. uh, in our favor. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I bought a, a significantly better camera in Hawaii. Cool. And figured, uh, well, I, I better learn how to use this. Cool. Uh, and so, did you get a lot of um, photography done in Hawaii, or I was did. It? Yeah, cool. What yeah. were some of your highlight moments in that period there, in terms of photography? It must have been a good spot to, yeah. Like I'm, a few listeners have probably visited Hawaii. I've been yeah. there a few times myself, yeah. and you know, like it is a you photographic mecca. Yeah, you know? a and lot of I guys mean, are there. You've been to North Shore in yeah. the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's for once, it's a circus. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's also mecca. Yeah, yeah. For it's crazy. Sir. It's better for the photographers. It is. It is. Because well, they just get to turn up and everybody likes them. Yeah. Mo- most of the time. Most of the time. Most yeah. of the time. <laughs> Depends which side of the island you go on to yeah, shoot photos. Yeah, that is true. Like, that is true. No, but um, December was always a highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and would you go and locate yourself? Did you live down in Honolulu and I just would. commute up when, yeah. the, when the swell was on? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, so we were... <laughs> this was back when I surfed as well. Because okay. I'm not surfing anymore. Nah. Uh, I sold my board a long time ago okay. to focus on the swimming part. Yeah. But um, this was when I was surfing and we would go um, up north, but mostly we would surf around Honolulu, yeah. you know, the Waikiki area, yeah, the Diamond Head area. Yeah. Uh, because of school, obviously. Yeah. But then we would commute up and grab our azai balls and, and surf the, the reefs up north. Sweet. Any yeah. good experiences up there that you would talk about? Like, are there good, some spots that were your go-to? Um, you know what? I, I, I loved Ehokai, like yeah. the beach break. Yeah. Yeah. In the sure. middle, right straight down from the entry point there. Yeah, with the uh, sandbars are. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Love that one. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go too much left or yeah, right I was gonna at say that time. Can, yeah, if you can. Uh, yeah, but some of but us want that to, little, but yeah. as long as you didn't drift too much right sure. or left it's down to yeah. gas chambers yeah, or, yeah. or the other way around. Too. Yeah. Uh, Drifting through pipe. Uh, yeah, no, but I love that one. And then again, we were Norwegian students, yeah. uh, been surfing for a year or two. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there wasn't too much for us to do when it got big. Yeah, sure. No. Just bring out the camera. Yeah. 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 But I mean, as far as learning your trade on the camera, I mean, it must have been a really formative period because 
when the swells come through. I mean, there's no shortage of opportunities to shoot. True. I mean, you quickly realize what the standard is. Yeah. Where what the top of the line photographers are doing. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing people out there at dusk and dawn with skis and flashes. Yeah. And I, I was just amazed. That being said, uh, obviously I moved in another direction. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of palm trees in my photos. No. No palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I definitely, um, I definitely learned the trade there mm. of recognizing uh, good surfing mm. and recognizing what needs to be uh, accomplished in order to kind of get into the magazines because. Yeah. As a Norwegian, you know, you know the Scandinavian surf culture, but what we don't have, we don't have that uh, pipe set up with the 100 best surfers in the world to yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So just seeing that right from the get-go was really valuable for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, photographers are spoiled on the North Shore. Like, they are. You know, they, they are, turn yeah. up and they are the best in the world yeah. in one spot at one time. So yeah. it's... Yeah, it's a pretty special thing. Okay, so then obviously um, I think the story seems to go that your you must have finished your studies and then you yeah. jumped into yeah. surf camp world with La Pointe or what was Close. there? Or did you become a wedding photographer in between? Because that seems to be what <laughs> every photographer does. Well, I do point. a lot of weddings. You I do? do? A, yeah, I do a lot of weddings. I'm, I'm stepping back now. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, that, that's what the, the goal is, right? Yeah, it is. But uh, <laughs> no, actually, so one of my best friends, talked me into going, well, it wasn't that hard to talk me into it, but we went to Iceland okay. on our way back from Hawaii. And uh -huh. I, I, I just graduated. Yeah. That's kind of my gift to myself yeah, to, cool. to join that trip. And we f flew up to Anchorage yeah. and then over to Reykjavik. Yeah, nice. And I stayed a week. Sick. And I'd be shooting pipe and, uh, you know, the tropical waters for two years. Yeah. And that was my first taste of anything, anything other than Hawaii. Yeah, right. When it comes to surf photography. Yeah. And I just had the most amazing time. Right. We got skunked for six days and scored one morning sunrise session. Yeah. And that was it for me. Wow. Um, I, I moved back to Oslo and for a year, year and a half, I actually worked in sales. Mm. But had a deal that I could take as much vacation as I wanted. I got yeah. paid by the hour. Yeah. And I spent all vacation time, all leave time, all money on just traveling. Yeah, cool. So I went back to Hawaii. I went to Ireland. I went all over Norway. I went back to Iceland. Yeah. Uh, Portugal uh, and eventually I just quit my job because I just needed to step into this realm of yeah. surfing and uh, at the same time La Pointe was actually looking for a kind of content marketing yeah. guy yeah. and I got the job and ever since then I, I spent my last three years traveling to Bali, Costa Rica, yeah. Sri Lanka nice. you know, nice. uh, living the La Pointe life the La Pointe life. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. It was good. Um, with that, but then with this decision to locate yourself up here, you kind yeah. of stepped away from that life. I, I kind of did, yeah. 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 I mean, do you do any work with them anymore? I don't. I, I finished my job with them in November. Okay. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was such an experience, and those guys are so talented in what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Um, love it or hate it with the surf camp industry, but it, they're so good at what they're doing. And yeah. I, I learned so much. Yeah. 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 It's funny. There's a lot of surf camps getting out there. There's a lot of people taking up surfing as a result, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. I just bring on the, bring on the surf parks and 
get more of those waves churning out, and I think everyone could be pretty happy. Absolutely. I, I think that's kind of like I think a that's pretty positive calorie. step. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but then so with this decision to step up here, was it a was it a hard decision to commit yourself as a as a photographer? Um, to being in this one place, was that hard or was that actually easy? To be fair, when I moved up here, I was still uh, working with La Pointe. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to go to Bali okay. in the summer. Sure. Um, so you had an escape. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that hard then. Mm. So I was still doing, my first year, I still went to Portugal, Bali and Sri Lanka. Yeah. I think those three. Next year, I went to well, Portugal all the time, but... Uh, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, yeah. and then uh, Morocco. Yeah. So I was getting my share of the the warm and nice things as well. Yeah. But uh, now I quit La Point, so now I'm actually paying for my own trips if yeah. I go somewhere. And I, I definitely feel like now I'm actually committing much more to this place. Let's talk about this commitment because it's yeah. evolved into a into a project. Yep. It which does. Um, which I'm not going to tell the listener about. You're going to tell them because. Um, it's your project and you know it better than me. So what are you working on right now? Be as descriptive as you can be. Oh, uh, at, at. At. I've been pronouncing it incorrectly. Et or at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, let's call it et. Yeah. Et. Well, I know it's pronounced differently in different parts of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, yeah. Iceland. But in the general term, et means family. Uh-huh. Your tribe, uh-huh. your family, your culture, your uh-huh. community. Right. In all languages. I don't know about Finnish, though, but Ooh. those guys... That'll be some really uh, long word yeah. with lots of syllables. It's definitely... Or, I don't know, maybe it is. That. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Who um, knows? But Shout it, out to all the Finns out there. Sh- yeah. Uh, oh, You've got a them. crazy language, but, you know, <laughs> like, we really appreciate you. Uh, um, no, so it means tribe. It means family. And yeah, cool. Ever since I I started traveling around the you know, Scandinavia in general, but mostly Norway, mm. I met all of these amazing not only surfers but but people around the surf, yeah, whose story were not being told. Because mm. I I'd seen the Chris Burkhardt and and I got to say like Chris Burkhardt for example has shaped my photography more than anyone else. Yeah, sure, makes sense. And I absolutely love that type of content, but it leaves leaves a gap mm. it leaves a gap of getting the local surfers to tell their story of how mm. it is 24 7 365 mm. to live up here and actually surf in december mm. for example or who's that? who's the guy who shapes boards in uh Hodevik? Mm. or what's what's the deal with this icelandic uh, long-haired blonde guy who drives around the island and appears in surf movies all the time who surfs Bloody too good for how long he's been doing it, I've got to say. Like, it's, it's uh, incredible. And incredible. charges. And charges. Yeah. Damn, what a guy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, we'll get back to him in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, I, I always wanted to tell those stories. Yeah. From the journalistic kind of background. Yeah, yeah. I, I love telling stories. Cool. And we made this little Arctic January yeah. project last winter. It sure. was a fun little thing. Yeah. But what we recognized was that actually people want to hear these stories and see the, mm. I want to, don't want to say the real Lofoten, but kind of te, te, te Well, it's, it's bigger than Lofoten though, isn't it? This, this, this is uh, way bigger. Yeah, bigger. like this is Scandinavia, you could say, yeah. or the Nordics. The Nordics, yeah. yeah. So what we're doing this time around is that mm. I teamed up with my, one of my best friends, Jonathan Stromberg, okay. who's filming. Yep. Um, 
and we got Oli along, Oliver mm -hmm. Markov. Cool. He's in it as well. Um, and we're traveling around and we talk and film and surf with the different surfers in the Nordics. The different locals, you would say? Is that kind of how um, you'd frame it? Or? Well, locals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> touchy subject. Mm. But um, people that have embraced a part of that country and that circle. Sure. Uh, whether that person is from that farm on that sure. surf break or has lived there for 15 years. But uh, definitely the per people that I feel Frequented the, the, the diehard exactly, fans of a place, I exactly. guess you could say. Whether that being weekend warriors yeah, or, yeah. or full-time surf professionals. Yeah. yeah. So this is interesting. I just want to pick up on something you said earlier um, regarding Chris Burkhart and how he, you know, he influenced your photography. He, um, he's definitely been the first to, to kind of document on a mass mainstream scale this part of the world. Yeah. Um, but what you might be saying, well, your project seems to be a response to maybe him not so much sharing local stories. It's very much been through his lens and with the people he's brought along, which has typically been uh, a, a, a pro surfer from somewhere else coming exactly. to experience yep. his place. Yep. How, are you critical of what he's done or lacked to do in this place? No. I mean, I, I think that there are several different stories to be told and that all of these needs to be told. Mm. He, to he tells one of them. Mm. He goes to Iceland and he brings... Well, in Iceland, he, he's, he shot Haidar and Ellie. He did work with those guys, yeah, I should say. And, yeah. and absolutely killed it with a couple of trips to, to Iceland. Mm. Um, but there's so many other surfers in Iceland. And yeah. There's so many other surfers in Norway. Yeah. So he's telling one part of the story, and I feel like we're now trying to tell the other side of it, right. the other story. Yeah. So no, I don't. I don't feel like he has some obligation to tell all stories, mm. but he's telling his, and then we're going to try to tell ours. Yeah. Yeah. And so how has this project gone so far? I know that there, there is an Instagram account already kind of yep. sharing the journey. Yep. Um, but where have you been so far? What, what do you feel like telling us without... Like, I mean, is there a spoiler alert or what? Like, you know, how much can, do you want to share? Is it's there? up to you. No, I, I, there's no spoiler alerts, but I will spoil something. Yeah, cool. Um, we went to Iceland. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows that we went to Iceland because, yeah. I mean, social media. Yeah. We, we posted a lot. Yeah. So we went to Iceland and we filmed with mostly Haidar Lugi. Yeah. But we also met up with uh, Elitor Magnusson and yeah. a couple of other local surfers who yeah. we didn't inc we, we don't include in the film, but they're they're definitely part of the culture and, yeah. and local surfers in Iceland. So we went there for a month and yeah. it was me and it was Jonathan, Oliver and Tim Latte. Yeah. Because uh, Tim Lotta was not supposed to be in that sequence. Oh, okay. But he, f he, yeah, he came along to say this. <laughs> Sounds like he invited yeah, himself. He did invite himself, but when he did, I said, "Dude, go ahead. Yeah, It'll okay. be a blast." And yeah. he adds to it. Yeah, of course. He, he absolutely adds to it. And big shout out to Timmy Latte. Yeah, who is who I'm here? Who's, who's, who's staying with me right now? In yeah, the, the Arctic co-working lodge. He's probably out chasing some onshore. Yeah, stuff. he is. He's keen. Um, so we went there, and we took my van. 
Yeah. So the van is actually part of the, the film as well. Aha. Uh because -huh. we're driving around. I was going to touch on this a little bit with your whole van life vibes. Yeah. So yeah. the van is actually a character in this story. Yeah, uh, it is. So it's going to be uh, our kind of vehicle to drive through kind of a, a, a little thing that you remember throughout the film. Cool. Um, so we took it on the ferry, which is, by the way, the worst ferry in the world. I was going to say, like, where did you get the ferry from? Denmark. So Denmark. I, I drove from Lofoten, Oslo, stayed in a couple of days with my parents. Sweden, ferry to Denmark, and then ferry through Faroes to Iceland. Jeez, and like, what about, um, were there no ferries like earlier on in this journey you could have taken? Uh, there's one ferry going to Iceland. That's, and that, that ferry. And it's from Copenhagen? No, it goes from uh, Hirtshals, I think. Where the hell's that? Uh, north. <laughs> north of Denmark the oh, okay. northern point of Denmark oh, okay yeah uh, but well, we, we hit a storm on our way up uh, had six and a half meter waves uh, hit a bigger storm on our way down and had seven and a half meter waves and you documented this part of the journey or was uh, this more no, just like it, it is not part of the it's not going to be part of the film oh damn but it's part of our social media so oh, okay, cool. I think people can scroll back or we'll, cool. we'll I'll post have to it have a look there. Yeah, I mean, That's there were cool. a lot of tablets being popped on that trip, Dang. a lot of pills, but uh, we survived and we got there and we had a blast uh, a month straight with yeah. Haidar and the boys and just uh, exploring and documenting. Great. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. What are some of the highlights of that? Um, I think maybe a funny anecdote we were talking about before we started recording, but you know, part of this um, this film is to kind of document. You're you're trying to truly document the moments around surfing that are quite common and and every day, but often get overlooked when you start to do documentary films. So one of these is you know the reactions of people when they're going to check a spot and you know. Do you want to talk through the story you were you were yeah, telling me yeah, before yeah. about that? So. There, uh, a big focus of ours is the sound, the mm. audio, the, 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 the small talk, the mm. communication between different surfers, and especially from different countries. Yeah. But also this little ticks and, tricks and tips yeah. from drying suit in a van overnight, yeah. seeing how Oliver talked with Haidar about getting the sand out of his suit because yeah. Oliver has a thing with sand in his suit okay. coming from Denmark. Okay, all right. Uh, which is hilarious. Okay. But also the little conversation that goes on when they're walking towards a wave. Mm. Which Do is, they even walk towards waves though? No, they don't. No. They run. Yeah. I can say honestly, yeah, like the I sprint. at my home break at least in Tunkari, I can't walk the track to the no. beach. It's no. impossible. That being said, like in Iceland, the terrain is pretty... I was gonna, yeah, you might need yeah. to walk. Yeah. It's a yeah. power walk. It is. But actually one of the funniest uh, moments was, I think it was our first session. And um, Haidar, who has some kind of Viking blood uh, in his veins, just sprinted down this volcanic rock face, which I'm pretty sure was 45 or more degrees. Yeah, right. And he sprinted down. And I have a photo of Tim Latte and Oli, uh, maybe 100 meters behind him, after like 10 seconds. He just sprinted down, full send. Wow. And they And they ripped their shoes and got into the surf. But... Um, so we had, a, we had a bit of struggle with getting the microphones on the yeah. suits hidden enough not to, to be seen by a camera. Uh, and also 
record good enough audio yeah. when they were running towards yeah, the surf. Sure. So definitely going to be some uh, post-production uh, going on there, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's absolutely unique to hear uh, a Dane and a Swede and an Icelandic surfer walking towards Right. Sounds like they're walking uh, into a bar when you start it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Um, no, when they walk towards the wave and how they're going to yeah. hit it or yeah. surf it or what they're going to do later or how the, right. how the sleep was in the van or That's yeah, right. anything like that. That sounds fun. And so, so the journey so far for the project has been to Iceland. Has yeah. there been any other locations where you've been no. documenting so far? No. Okay. So the whole thing is, a, is definitely a, a passion project. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have, uh, if anybody has money to pay us to go uh, cool. anywhere we want at any time, yeah. please give me a call. <laughs> but we don't have uh, enough funding to put people out of like, yeah, take four weeks off your job and come yeah, off the surf. Of course. So everybody's going to join whenever they have time and yeah. we see as well. Cool. Uh, and December and January are harsh. Yeah. as we talked about yeah. with shooting. So we're moving into production time again, production yep. period. So we're going into different waiting periods yep. where we'll look at a certain spot or a certain area and we'll tell the guys that, hey, we're, we're planning on coming or we're planning mm. this and this. And then they'll say to us if they have time yep. on certain dates. And then everybody just goes together on these and these dates. Yep. And if there's a swallow, we go. Okay. Yeah. Bit of logistics to get this done. It's horrendous. And what's your da- what's your kind of timeline in terms of a deliverable, like a delivery of your passion project? It is going to be released, uh, knock on wood, uh, by the fall of twenty twenty. The fall of twenty twenty. So year and a half. A year and a half away. And I f- I'm freaking out every time. I say <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but I-, I think we'll be able to do it. The timeline. Everything looks good. Um, we are just waiting for Mother Nature to give us a hint of a moment where we can shoot. Yeah. Because you know how it is. Yeah, Suddenly yeah. there's a winter that goes bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're left with the summer which has no waves. Yeah, and yeah. then, yeah, there goes a year. But this is kind of the real deal up here though, right? Like, I mean, it's a tough place to score waves. We spent one month in Iceland with arguably the, the most knowledgeable surfer mm. uh, spot guy in Iceland yeah. surf. And we had a hard time finding those small moments. Yeah. That hour when that wave works properly. At That's what we're talking about. Like, let's dive into this for a yep. second. Like you're saying that over the course of a one month stay yep. in, in a Iceland, place like Iceland. In wave period. In, a, in the wave period. Yeah. You're saying that the number of times that you were able to actually score those those days that are really like those moments that are special, like how yeah. many? Not days even. Not we're even talking days. eight hours. Eight hours. Okay. Yeah. Like we're eight talking. Eight Do you think it was eight hours of like quality surf? I would say that's a stretch, actually. <laughs> that's just with nuts. quality surf. We're talking like where everybody's stoked. Like everybody is looking at a wave and telling me like that is a good wave. Yeah. And I mean, as long as a good wave, you might say that the goofy wants this and the yeah, wants yeah, that, yeah. but as long as a good wave, everybody can agree that it's yeah. a good wave. Um, I think we had, we had a couple of sessions, but mm, they were short yeah, because right. of the wind switches, the yeah, tide yeah, difference yeah. is massive, yeah. the light, um, and Iceland is massive. Yeah. It's so big. I mean... That's interesting. Uh, 
what is it? Hydar drives between 50 and 60,000 kilometers a year yeah, looking right. for waves. I know a lot of guys in the Nordics drive a lot, but... Yeah, it is a thing. It is a thing. Mm. It's your uh, second favorite hobby. Yeah. Got to get some podcasts to listen to <laughs> along the way, I guess. Shameless self-promotion right there. Um, so what's on the schedule then in terms of locations? Or where do you feel like sharing? Like, where are you going to go and whatever, if you don't want to tell? Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's easy to just look at the, the staff that the surfers we yeah. have on our little sheet and, yeah. and promote and who are those surfers or? so we have the three lads in Finland who for 20 years have been coming to Lofoten yep just on pure passion driving these over. aren't the guys that do the honey are they no okay there are other Finnish dudes yeah. there are, there's a lot of Finnish yeah there's a few fin- I'm yeah. really intrigued by these Finnish surfers I think it's pretty interesting yeah and they come here a lot yeah you said, you, you said they've been coming here for like 20 years 20 years wow and um, yeah I met them in the surf before but they're, they're good friends of a couple of surfers here so yeah. we hopefully we are able to uh, tell the story of the uh, the connection between the different surf culture and communities in the Nordics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you're from the Lofoten Islands or Iceland or Sweden and you go to another spot or country in the Nordics, yeah. it's kind of going to another county. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking the same language almost. Yep. And uh, you probably have so many mutual friends. Yeah. And yeah, it's a small even, community. Even though you, you cl- cross the border and drive 20 hours, yeah. I mean, you're still going to meet a couple of friends there. Mm. So we're, we're aiming to, to shoot them, and then uh, that will be filmed in the Lofen Islands. Yeah. And then we're going to Hodevik yeah. to shoot with Jeff. Which is just bloody, it looks like Lofen, and I swear some of those photos, I, I see a picture of Hodevik and I can't tell the difference where it would be. Sometimes when I drive into Hodevik, I'm like, I'm going to pack my bags from Lofoten and drive down and move it, here. Exactly. It is, it is so beautiful. Yeah, it yeah. looks it. Especially, I, I got to say, it's not the best time for waves, but yeah. the summer yeah. in Hodevik is beautiful. It's, mm. it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. So we want to capture a, a tiny bit of that. Yeah, cool. Some, some green in there. Not yeah. just this uh, bluish, white, black, yeah. gray. Blizzard-like uh, conditions. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and we'll we'll go to Sweden as well. Yeah. Uh, with Freddie. Yeah, cool. Freddie Meadows. And we've been to Iceland, and we're going to go to uh, Jaren okay. as well. Yeah. So Stavanger. Yep. Um, and there might be some other trees in there. So let's see. Cool. But it all comes down to Mother Earth. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. What we uh, are able to capture. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's a big project and it's going to be uh, super interesting to see how it evolves. I'm sure everyone listening is, um, yeah, at, at the very least, everyone in the Nordics will be interested to hear this. I think it's quite a, um, it's quite a cool idea to document some of those stories of the, the people in the place rather than parachuting some, some pros to, to get the storytelling <laughs> done. But, um, but yeah, it's a really cool project and um, I, I hope it turns out the way you hope it will with the with the timeline that you have um and i, I mean I, I just gotta shoot this in is yeah if we don't make it by the fall of 2020 yeah or if we don't end up getting what we actually had in mind yeah on our mood boards and, and yeah. presentations that's part of the story yeah yeah that's how it is up here yeah you can go to iceland for a month or you can live in low foot or yeah. you can do whatever you want but you're 
in no way in charge yeah. of what you can surf or, yeah, totally. or score. So if we end up with a, with a film where we've been skunked for two years, that is actually a film. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't hope we do, but it is a story. Yeah, totally. So yeah, let's see what we end up with. Yeah. Well, hey, one of the things I wanted to change course on a little bit with this interview yeah. today is um, let's bring ourselves back to Lufthansa and in the present day, not in 2020, the fall of 2020, when you triumphantly release uh, <laughs> at to the to the world. Fingers um, crossed. Fingers crossed. I'm sure you'll get there. But hey, one of the one of the really interesting things, like so, I'm up here with Tim Latte at the moment. Um, doing a bit of podcasting and stuff like that, a bit of story stuff for Nordic Surfers Mag. And he has kind of come off the back of a really interesting time in Indonesia himself. Yep. He kind of managed to document some pretty viral content of him picking up some plastic in the water, which... Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, like yeah. it's just so straightforward. Yeah. And um, and it was really quite remarkable how 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 much that particular video caught on. I think he's up to like 10 million views on Twitter, um, you know, a few million on Instagram. Like it's kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. But I think one of the things that I guess for you being a guy that's in the water up here quite a lot over the last, you know, two years now, I noticed the other day that the, the amount of plastic on the beach at Unstad, which didn't originate it, in Unstad, it's, it's clearly from the ocean. Like there is so much yeah. here. Yeah. Like literally within a, a few meters, like small pieces of plastic that yep. are just like everywhere. Yeah. How bad is the situation up here? That's one beach. So I went to a conference. That was why we were doing this on a Friday afternoon uh, and not midweek because I went to a conference in Svolvar okay. this week with oh, cool. uh, all the travel agencies in Lofoten. Okay. A lot of talk about sustainability, yep. how we can make it better, what are our struggles. And you know what photo they used uh, as a header for one of the presentations talking about sustainability? Which one? It was the, the trash barrel of Sapnoil. Oh, oil. yeah, sure, sure, sure. This and is the it, one in Indo? With it the guys is, in the it is. Yeah. It, I'll use that. Everybody's sure. seen that. It's a, uh, but it's a yeah, uh, shout out to Zach Noyle, who's um, not being mentioned enough for that photo. Yeah, totally. Um, but it goes to show that... Uh, Everybody knows that there's trash in the ocean here. Yeah. And one big reason for it is, uh, I mean, we get huge storms yeah. that can bring stuff a big distance in a yeah. short amount of time. Yeah. But is what you say, uh, after a storm, the beaches are filled with trash. Mm. Yeah. A lot of uh, fishing equipment. Yeah, it is, huh? A lot of fishing equipment. Um you know how it was 50 years ago, uh, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. The trends are hard to, to like the, the way they've been used to doing it is it's, it is a bit tricky to change it. Mm. And especially when things get lost in big storms, they of end course. up somewhere. Of course. And, and I imagine some of this plastic we're seeing, you know, looking at the lifetime of a piece of plastic. I mean, it may well be plastic from 50 years ago that's been crushed up in different waves and floated around in different currents and yeah. finally finds its way on shore at Unstad or yeah. any other beach up yeah. here. Like, it's, it's pretty... Like, of course, it's not always pollution that's happened today. No. But so you're saying on the agenda in the Lofoten Islands... In, at least in the tourism space, yeah. they're very conscious of this problem. Extremely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not talking too much about 
the specifics like plastic in the ocean. Mm. That would be a specific thing. But we're talking about how to maintain the Lofoten Islands, how we're going to have a sustainable tourism up here. That yeah. is a huge discussion nowadays. Yeah. And with it comes uh, trash, plastic, yeah. uh, CO2, yeah. like all of those uh, different tags. Yeah. So it is a huge discussion, but I don't, I don't think Tim would have been able to paddle around and pick plastic in the same way as he did in, in Bali. No, here. not at all. It not is, at all. It's not that bad. But it's not like you're coming here and seeing a white sand beach without trash on it. No, I mean, I was, I was pretty shocked. Like, yeah. to me, I, uh, but you see it maybe more on low tide here. Yeah, um, and, they're, and they're washed up on the rocks yeah. instead of staying in the ocean. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I was just kind of like, I guess it's just because for myself, you know, I, be, I become more and more aware over time. You know, you, you, we all do become more and more aware as there's more and more interest in this particular question. Mm. Um, and, and problem, but yeah, I was kind of like, whoa, I, I didn't think I, w I didn't remember seeing it like this last time. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but um, it was quite dramatic. It was really, really small, very small pieces of plastic. And I mean, it's just kind of nuts to be this isolated on planet Earth. I mean, there's only a few other spots where you can kind of get as isolated as you can be up here in yeah. Lufthansa. Yeah. Um, and yet, it is here. It is really here. And I mean, even I was, I did an interview a while back for the magazine with um, Kristen Toft. Yep. And she was up, uh, I think, on Svalbard. Yep. And uh, she, they were doing big plastic cleanups or debris cleanups from mostly fishermen's kind of um, waste. Mm. And she said it was just like crazy how much stuff they were getting up there as well. So yeah. it's a big problem. But it's not the only problem that's been faced up here because one of the more recent problems as well here has been the oil industry yes. um, in the area. So I know that you kind of haven't been maybe so much on the front line with that question up here, but you do have a pretty good understanding of what took place. What, what, what happened up here in Lufthansa as, uh, as far as you know? Yeah, so as everybody know, uh, Norway is a huge oil nation. We yeah. have rigs all over the country. Yeah outside our coasts. So it's a very weird situation to be in being in a Norwegian and being against oil. <laughs> Traditionally, sure. it's sure, very sure. weird. Like we're, our nation is as wealthy and great as it is because of the oil. Of course. Yeah. That being said, the Lofoten and the Vesteraolen and the yeah. Senja areas yeah. have been under a huge attack discussion we'll call it whatever you want yeah, yeah, yeah. from the oiling industry for lots of years yeah so we're actually like this discussion doesn't go too much into oil spills no right? i mean in yeah yes you're afraid of oil spills it would be catastrophic apocalyptic yes there you go thank you glad i could help uh, <laughs> but what we're afraid of is that Lofoten Islands is known for its fishing, yes. world-renowned, the cod, the stock, yeah, yeah. The, the, all of that. But, and the, the cod comes, the skrei, yep. the type of cod, comes from the north, from Bering Sea, yep. and comes down and into the West Fjord and around the Lofoten Islands. Yep. Once a year, between uh, January and April-ish. Great time to be fishing. <laughs> we we picked up we caught 170 kilos in like half an hour That's in January. Crazy. 
It is, it is incredible. It's and an amazing, I'm just thinking more about the weather you'd have to deal with to get those fish. I mean, it must oof. be absolutely not. You still see the granddads going out on the small boats on their own. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho, anyway. Um, so what we're afraid of is that this type of cod and the fish itself mm. is very fragile. Mm -hmm. And they'll change their course where they go to mate and, and, yeah. and feed very quickly. Uh-huh. What we're afraid of is that when they start looking for oil, they fire off these seismic charges into yeah, the ground, right? sure. To get the, get the view of what's down yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. By firing those charges into the ground, they might disrupt the path of the cod. Yeah, sure. So not even look, or not even pulling up oil. Yeah. Before you start even putting a rig out there. Yeah. The damage might be done. Yeah. And it's it's not like let's let's try it out and have a look. Yeah, at exactly. It. It's not. If it's the, not worth it. If the fishing goes, loafing goes. Yeah. It, it's it, it's not done, but I mean the whole culture is gone. Yeah. The the history of it. So there was a resistance to this, I understand, from yes. residents and locals up this way, and maybe more Norwegians generally were kind of yeah. like, "Hang on a second, yeah. this isn't a good idea." Um, it became a national issue. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And it's one of those areas where you can point to this being so beautiful. Yeah. So gorgeous. And mm. it's become one of those tourism hotspots. So there's a, a separate income. Yeah. And we don't want to ruin that. Yeah. So there's a different, couple of different factors that goes into why it became so heated up here. Yeah. And why they also managed to brush off the oil industry and say no. And one. Uh huh. So, all salute to the to the local men and women up here and yeah. in the south and everywhere else who fought loud and with sticks and stones and mm. whatever they they did uh, to fight them off. Because when I got here and saw the result of it, mm. I was like, thank God, mm. thank God. One thing is that's to see oil rigs out there. That is. It's, it's absolutely not beautiful. Nah. But to lose the fishing, mm. it would be catastrophic. And that's not even without the risk of spilling exactly. and things like that. That's an add-on. There's been another issue that's popped up, though, while we're on the subject of oil. Why not oh, talk yeah. about even Let's more current Let's affairs? Yeah. Like, there's, been a, there's been a pretty big reaction to a Norwegian... Um, state-owned company called well it was called stat oil which yeah. made a lot of sense because it yeah. was state oil yeah um, but they, now they're they called changed. equinor which is a very nice name to have i believe yeah. there was something about equality that they wanted to get across and norway so. in their name yeah. i had a good look at them it's really good great, great new logo whoever well. whoever does their communications and branding deserves an award yeah um they have come under some intense uh scrutiny and kind of uh, a pretty verbal, loud and clear response from, to begin with, Australian-based surfers and, and people who enjoy the, the Southern Ocean, particularly the Great Australian Bight region, um, about some, some intention from Equinor to drill in a, in a, in a pretty outrageous location in the, in, the, in the ocean off the south coast of Australia. Mm. Um, this really kind of kicked off maybe... It's been on the agenda or kind of drifting in the ether for a few months. Yes. But, but it really fired up the other day because it's getting to a critical point of decision-making in Australia. Yeah. How, does it, how did it feel for you to see this, this Norwegian brand just get trashed so quickly 
by some pretty angry Aussies. Yeah. Well, it, it was great seeing it. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was great witnessing it. Yeah. Um, like you said, I've, I've been seeing the, the post for an article for a couple of months. Yeah. And you, you kind of pay attention to it, but then you go on doing your thing. And yeah. You figure that they're going to be able to fight it. They're, mm. it's, it's just gonna, they're not going to drill for new oil now. Yeah. Like 2019. It's crazy, huh? Aren't we past that? Yeah, exactly. But then I, I saw that, I saw the Instagram post and I saw a couple of peers, a couple mm. of friends, mm. and then a couple of more peers and a couple of more friends mm. uh, commenting, tagging, sharing, everything. And it went viral so fast. And... To be a Norwegian on it, like a couple of the the phrasing of the whole thing. I was going to say, were you offended at all? Because no, I, I was no. getting a little bit annoyed with some of the language around it. You yeah, know. I mean, it's a, as you said, it's a the state owns 67, 66% of it. Six, yeah, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's owned by the people yeah, in, in very theory. Much so. very, yeah. In theory. In theory. So yeah, in a, in a sense, it's, it's Norway's fault. Mm. But then again, it's not. Uh, how the Norwegian population feel, at least uh, how I see the issue, yeah, and how I see other issues being brought up in Norway nowadays. Yeah, like we have a huge discussion about mining up north here, where okay. they're planning to dump a lot of waste in the fjord. Oh, sounds like a great idea! Great idea. <laughs> so we have this toxic waste, and we have a fjord, let's dump the waste in the fjord. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe 50 years ago they would have done that, yeah, yeah, they, they would have, yep. yeah, or 20. Uh, and there are stories and underwater cameras being are being used down south to actually show what happens to a fjord when you do that, yeah. which is horrendous. Mm. And people are speaking up. Mm. So um, I, I'm true. I'm pretty sure that the Norwegian population, if they actually took a minute and got into the bite question yeah. uh, discussion, that they would be against it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I saw that Instagram post, the Instagram post. Yeah. Um, and I saw everyone from Siggy Alberts to any surfer who's ever been on the WSL. Yeah. On the quite, a, quite an amazing, I mean, I was super um, proud, maybe. No, maybe not proud. I was actually amazed yeah. that surfers yeah. could be so vocal about Like, I don't think I've ever seen surfers collectively use their voice on an issue before like this. No. I, don't, I think it's unprecedented. And that direct and that yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were not walking around the issue. No, no, it was very, very right straight it. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously with the social media and um, the, the position and how I view a lot of those people. I mean, there were photographers that I look up to that I yeah. am amazed by. And when I see them go in on something like that, I go like, oh, maybe I should read up on this. Yeah. There's something to this yeah. that doesn't make sense. So I, I, I do the five minute of Googling, I do five minutes more, and then suddenly I realized like, this is kind of like Lulfoot in 2.0. Yeah, really. So I, I do the couch environmentalist thing to and write a comment. Yeah, well, well it's something. It's something. It yeah. gets left somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And then I Instagram story some. I, I submit a comment. Yeah. The official comment. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Well, then I didn't see it. No, well, you didn't see that. <laughs> obviously. Or unless you have like... So what act. happened there? What happened there? Well, you have the official um, 
form. Yeah. The online website form. Yes. Where you can submit an official yeah. comment. Okay. Not just hashtag. Yeah, cool. So, uh, well, I did all of that. But then things just started spinning in my head and I was like, dude, this is exactly like Lofoten. And I was on the sideline of that. Mm. I, I, I pay my yearly fee to the organization, but I mean, I, I'm not vocal about it. Yeah. I, I figured that some other can do it. Like everybody else thinks. Yeah. Like you're against it. Yeah. Like it's really hard to start becoming really vocal. Yeah. Um, but I figured like, oh, maybe I should do a bit more. Maybe I should just give it a little help on this one. And then it just build and build and build. And, and I just, I really want to tell the story of how people up here fought the oil industry. Yeah. And w- that is possible. Mm. It, it, like people were vocal about what they thought and uh, gave good arguments and, uh, and fought off the oil industry. But hasn't there been an interesting thing with you? Like you've done the official... Um, lodging the official application, but you also did comment on the post in, in <laughs> Instagram. I did. But that vanished. It, it seems to have vanished. Yeah. yeah. So what's up with that? Because that's actually like a pretty interesting thing and, and maybe there's some other people looking into this type of... Yeah, I, I know that there's some, uh, a couple of guys looking into it on a more thorough, in a, in a more thorough way. But what happened was that so, like everybody else, I submit a comment. Yeah. And I saw that a lot of other comments were gaining traction like yeah. nothing. Like, we're talking 2,000, 3,000 likes on a comment yeah. on a post in a couple of hours. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. The poor social media manager for Equinor must have oh just been like freaking Worst out. Worst day ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I went to sleep and I woke up the next day and I had a DM and uh, a friend of mine screenshotted and and sent me a message that he couldn't find a a comment and that it was gone alongside with a lot of other comments Uh just top comments Mm. not the 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 lower ones but the ones with the most likes were gone and i go huh but i mean it's harsh to draw conclusions right there and there it might be an algorithm problem sorting problem Mm. like some technical problem it's just down there so I start scrolling and I scroll and scroll and scroll. Sure, it must have been a long scroll. I grab a coffee, <laughs> <laughs> continue scrolling, and I didn't find it. And I saw comments that were older than my previous one, but they were still there. And it was starting to, it sorts through the popularity of it, right? So getting two likes, one likes, and then there's heaps of one likes comments. So I stopped eventually and I was like, Maybe it's actually deleted. Mm. Maybe Equinor moderated that feed and deleted all the top comments. It's interesting for a public company like that, you know, like I understand if individuals are getting harassed and bullied on social media and and you've got, you know, someone persistently doing something and you decide to block them. And that's like a really positive tool that Instagram gives people because, you know, it's not nice to be harassed online no but for a company it's kind of i don't think they have the same rules at least even public or even state-owned ones like you 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 maybe shouldn't be able to moderate those types of questions because you are a a stakeholder in the, the the future of the planet like their decisions do have a huge impact on 
what happens next. Yeah. Um, so it is very interesting that they, I mean, you commented in Norwegian, didn't you? Yes. So yeah. maybe that was something, do you feel like that might have been something that really I mean, got them a little bit I, concerned? I don't know who the PR, comms, yeah. social media person is. Yeah. Uh, might be Indian, Australian, yeah. maybe British, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I don't think it was, the, it was not the language of it. No. No. No, you weren't offensive. I was, I was very, yeah, very you were super polite. Dip- but maybe that was the problem. You were kind of like too, too reasonable about yeah. the whole thing. And no. So, I mean, as you say... Uh, in some situations like moderating an Instagram feed is totally okay and I even can go to the length and say that for Equinor also to moderate comments on certain posts it's not the end of the world but what struck me was they've posted and and published an environmental plan for the drilling and and oil in, uh, in the bite and asked for comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, okay, so they asked for comments on this official website, uh, form with, I don't know, five, six columns. Yeah. And they says, like, my max 5,000 words. Yeah. And you're like, who the hell is going to? Well, somebody are, but um, not a lot of people. But we're in 2019. Yeah. They're gone, they're, they understand that someone are going to pull that discussion onto social media. Of course. Yeah. And when you go out and brag about publishing a plan and be like, please comment our plan yeah, for yeah, 30 yeah. days yeah. and we'll take into consideration what you say. Sure. And then start delete, delete, yeah. delete. Oh, there's no comments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about that? How do you feel like regardless of their practices and yeah. managing their communications and whatnot, but in your experience as a Norwegian mm. uh, ocean goer, ocean mm. dweller, yeah. Um, are you recognizing or seeing that there's much support for this cause on the ground here in Norway? Or do you feel like they're kind of people need to lift their game a little bit and get on board? I mean, if you talk this issue specifically, mm. this Great Australian Bite and the discussion there, it's not getting airtime in Norway. No. There's mm, there's been a couple of stories now. Yeah. We're talking like two, three web stories yep. that goes to the bottom of the web page of sure. the news channel within an hour or two. Sure. Uh, but it's not getting airtime. People don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows about it. Everybody knows about Lofoten and yeah. the fight here, but not the bite. So we need to need to raise that up, uh, and we're working on that. Yeah. But in general. The Norwegian population is definitely stepping into a, I want to call it a greener kind of thought, like a greener future. Yeah. So we're moving into, everybody wants wind power and solar power and, and wave power and whatnot. Well, I think you have more Teslas here than anywhere else on planet Earth. And Drive through well. Oslo. I, well, I think, they, did I say that 80% of the cars sold last year were, were Electric. Yeah, something like that. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's really happened quite yeah. a lot. And look, I mean, it can't be like I'm a. I I obviously wrote something that was published, yep. um, and quoted you in it yep. into Nordic Surfers magazine recently. That. No worries. Thank you for contributing yourself. Um, and you know, like I'm I'm definitely not a hater of the oil industry, um, and I and I recognise that it is uh, it has been critical to the development of a lot of um, places like. You know, Norway wouldn't yeah. be the country it is today without the oil industry. That's exactly. a fact. Yeah. And of course, that is um, 
that's a it's brought a lot of prosperity and and that's fine um as surfers the the boards we use are based off an oil economy you know like all of those chemicals they're petrochemicals that go into making most surfboards we fly to new we waves. fly to new waves we do all this kind of stuff but for me it was a question of like okay i understand that i'm part of this problem to a, to an extent but there's also the opportunity to be part of the problem but also recognize that there has to be a point where we say enough and i feel like in the surfing world and my hope for this campaign is that we have said enough mm. in a very large chorus of angry voices, mostly with Australian accents. Yeah. <laughs> and that from this point, we can begin a, a kind of dialogue with ourselves and also with society as the surfing community that can, can recognise that it isn't only the bite that is a place we should protect, but it is... Um, some obscure coastal area off, um, I don't know, maybe a Latin American country. There's lots of oil rigs there too that are proposed. There's yeah, lots yeah. of oil rigs proposed in other places. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this could be the beginning of something really, really special for surfing. Um, and it's not the end. Like this, this, this campaign about um, Equinor in the Great Australian Bight, there's going to be other locations where where this is happening and where yeah. we ought to raise our voices just yeah. like we have on this Probably one. ongoing ones. Yeah. That I don't know about. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So do you see, like, I mean, for me, and that's why I don't really, um, I don't I don't blame Equinor for thinking this was going to be just another straightforward thing that they did because they do oil. That yeah. is what they do and they've yeah. done it well. Yeah. Um, they do say that they're on their way to becoming a... a uh, I think in their own words, an energy major that is diversified and, and renewable and their website speaks so much about they're really investing the in solar and, yeah. you know, yeah. but I mean, a, a quick bit of research shows that they're nowhere near anything close to the way they talk about no. themselves. But I mean, do you see this yourself as, uh, as a moment in time that you, as a, as a person, you know, a part of this surf community, this et, this at, that this is the moment that maybe we do start to pay more attention to the environment? For me, this has been a game changer. Yeah. For me personally. Mm. Yeah, it has. Um, and I think you're 110% right uh, in what you're saying. I feel the biggest problem here, for me, the biggest problem is what kind of signals Equinor is sending out mm -hmm. with going for oil in a new territory. Yeah. We, we're, we're looking for new new wells, new mm. pockets of uh, gas and oil. This is not the time where you should be looking for something new. Mm. I, I understand that, well, I drive a car. It, it runs on diesel. Mm. I'm going to grab a plane later this month. And that is going to, yeah, I hate to say it, but it, it isn't, I shouldn't be getting on that plane in a, in a theory. Mm. But uh, kind of part of the problem. But we should switch and we have to switch and we have to switch much faster than we are doing. Yeah. And it's, and it's up to corporations like Equinor to make that switch and we just need to push them enough. I mean, they'll move wherever the money is. Yeah. If solar power would be worth gazillions tomorrow, 
they mm. would move into solar as fast as possible because yeah. that's where the money it's it's a corporation it moves towards the money it needs mm. to make money i guess it's an interesting case though because it's a corporation but it's also owned by the people so yeah. it is a government there must be some government reg- that there must be some government decision making somewhere here or or i don't know the the structure of it but have they set it up outside of the government's kind well, of control we don't know the answer i i well it's 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 part of the government and or is owned by the oh, it's government. owned by the government it's owned by the government but it, it's funny because there was an article later or last week where um the government said that they might be pulling up twice the amount of money as they're doing yearly from okay. equinor okay because equinor was making so much money okay so we're, we can now grab a twice the amount of money from them to build roads, to build yeah. kindergartens or whatever. Yeah. And it just goes to show that these guys are making so stupendous amount of money mm. that could be used for uh, renewable sources. Mm. And I, I feel like the bite or, or any new locations... It just sends out the wrong signal for the future generations. Mm. Shouldn't we be stepping in or taking those billions of dollars, which they're probably spending on investments on on equipment and reports and plans, mm. on the solar and the wind and the wave and the yeah. hydro? Um, there are better qualified people to answer these questions than us. Yeah, because we're we're great at this podcasting in the Arctic. But, <laughs> I mean, let's raise our voice. Yeah. And then let other people decide what the actual uh, plan is going to be. But yeah. let's say that let's not dig for more oil. More oil. Mm. We, we, we're kind of past it. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground in this podcast. Wow, yeah. and, um, and I think that we can definitely leave it on that important point to say that um, there is a campaign. It's ongoing. It's mostly concerned with, a, with an Australian uh, drilling proposal presently but you know this is the tip of the iceberg or the the tip of the well uh, <laughs> that we that we're talking about here like there is a bigger picture here and, and we're all part of this solution um i i, I want to wrap up by you know giving you the floor to kind of give your final message as a guy who's um you know been enjoying this place up here in little mm-hmm. and and what's your kind of final message to the listener before we before we sign off on this uh, podcast episode on anything. Can yeah, whatever anywhere, you want. This anywhere is your, I want. This is your final oh word. Yeah, so you use it. Um, Promote yourself if you like. Yeah, Promote, know. you know, your favorite. Know. Who do you want to give a shout out to? Any, oh, anything so at all. And there's so many. I'm, I'm shouting out through it a bit. But, okay. Um, well, something I want to say is, like, go somewhere new. And, and go and explore because that has given me so much in life. Mm-hmm. Going somewhere that wasn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. Just trying out something new, trying out to shout a bit at Equinor on social media. It did hurt a bit in the beginning. Just are people gonna hate me or yeah. uh, or move to Lofoten or or yeah. just do something new that hurts a bit, but is gonna give you great gifts and uh, and memories. I'm gonna shut up and finish right there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. So thank you, Halvard, for that great interview. Recorded up at the Arctic Co-working Lodge in Lufutin. Big shout out to the boys for hosting us there this um, just recently. Uh, 
Halvard, he's a great guy. If you're um, not already one of the near 24,000 people who are following him on Instagram, do look him up and enjoy his content. There's some really good stuff coming from that lens of his. Um, we can't wait to see the, the movie um, when it's released, Et, which, um, which should be quite a cracker. Um, another reminder... On the Nordic Surfers Mag website, you can purchase uh, previous editions of the magazine. Always nice to have the old whole set in your bookcase. They look really nice, all stacked up next to each other. Uh, and do take the time to um, go to the Nopsema link and click on it and then leave your objection to the proposed drilling by Equinor in the Great Australian Bite. It's one place, it's one time, but it's the beginning of many other times. Uh, drilling for oil is kind of really not so cool anymore. Uh, this moment has been a really a big awakening for surfers um, in Australia and around the world. And a win here would be a really good thing for the locals down there who are, you know, rightfully concerned about their the risks to their local environment, but also for surfing as well to, you know, take responsibility for our uh, the places that we enjoy. And yeah. It's just the beginning. So thank you very much for your support. Um, thank you for enjoying this podcast. Please feel free to leave a review of it and tell all your friends. Yay.